0: Deadass family, we have some very exciting news. This podcast is now sponsored by Audible. Audible is an awesome service where you can listen to thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, news, comedy, and much more on the go. The app is free and can be downloaded on any smartphone or tablet. You can also listen across other devices and never lose the spot where you left off. Now, being the horror fan she is, Gina highly recommends The Outsiders by Stephen King. And us being two huge wrestling fans, we also enjoyed hearing John Cena narrate the 64th man. Plus, it also helped that the audio series was funny as hell. So to get started, visit audibletrial.com slash deadassgirls You get one month free trial. Again, that is www.audibletrial.com backslash deadassgirls. This program is intended for mature audiences. Parental discretion is advised. Back, you scumbags. It is i Giselle aka Jizzy aka Jizzy G6. You already know why because I stay fly till I die. Um, this is a very exciting episode. I am joined by a beautiful woman right now. We are so excited to announce Culture Critic, Wrestling Aficionado. And overall, bad bitch, bringing the thunder from down under, we have the writer Scarlett Harris on the show. Scarlett, welcome to the Deadass Girls podcast. Thank
1: you for having me. I'm so <laughs> excited to be here.
0: <laughs> I am excited as well. And She also has her pup with her um, on our video call from around the globe. So it's 5 p.m. here where we're recording today in New York City. What
1: time is it for you
0: right now? it's only 9 a.m
1: here which is good when it's daylight savings time in Australia right. but when it's regular time
0: it's more it would be more like 7 a.m so I see yeah. wow okay even um, <laughs> even in Australia the the time change is a little crazy so you're yeah. for you right now it's technically Wednesday yeah, that's right. It's Wednesday morning. <laughs> okay, yeah. So she's already in the future, guys. So we got our first time traveler on the show. <laughs> Watch out. <laughs> Scarlett, thank you for joining me. Um, we actually have a very exciting episode, which is kind of a departure from our typical Dead As Girls episodes. Uh, we have the second... You're the second author that we've collabed with, so to speak. The first one being... Jason Norris from Re- Women of Love Wrestling, which you've actually contributed to as well. And now you're actually coming here with your own book that's slated to come out. So, Deadass Family, when this episode comes out, the book actually would be coming out at the same time. And if you stick around to the end of the episode, we are going to announce our second giveaway as well. So, first and foremost, um, it is 2021. 2020 was a fuck up. Um, How did you manage the pandemic and quarantine?
1: Yeah, look, I feel bad saying this, especially, you know, talking to you in New York where it was, like, really bad, but... Um, I loved lockdown, and mm-hmm. I'm like ready for the next one. Like, I don't know if you are familiar with the the state in Australia, but we have pretty much eradicated. Yeah, COVID. you
0: guys like you guys. Have- yeah, <laughs> you guys were like, listen, we're about to tackle this shit. Don't come near me. Don't come near us. Okay, keep your cooties over there. And you guys are having concerts, and like, it's regular life over there.
1: Yeah, exactly. So um, like I'm in Melbourne and we had like one of the harshest lockdowns in the world um, in uh, for about four months. So from July to November. Um, So, you know, we weren't allowed to leave our houses. We had to wear masks all the time. um, And that was because we had a high of like 700 cases in one day. Um, which I know compared to like what the U.S. has is like nothing but baby um, numbers okay (laughs) yeah no offense but I'd rather be where I am than in the U.S. right now Um, Uh, yeah, (laughs) (laughs)
0: um,
1: yeah so you know like I'm a homebody I'm a writer like I enjoy being like at home alone anyway so I'm kind right. of like so you yeah, basically like, you've good. been
0: training for this already like you were already prepared quarantine for you was like quarantine that I've been doing that what are you talking about
1: <laughs> yeah exactly it was not much of a lifestyle change at all um and yeah so I've been like back at work for the last mm-hmm. few months and I'm kind of like hmm like i'd like another yeah. lockdown. <laughs> after my book comes out and i have my book
0: party um yeah i'm good for like lockdown number two nice thanks. all right well listen definitely get those those party feelings out and then go right back inside yeah which i'm gonna do
1: anyway regardless of whether the government makes me or not so. right
0: <laughs> <laughs> no i i trust me i mean it 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 fucking sucks um but I have been enjoying staying home like I don't speak to anyone this is the first time I've never had the cold because I've been inside all the time exactly I love masks like I can talk to myself outside and no one would say anything (laughs) right yeah you don't have to wear makeup I'm telling you right now I spend so much money at Sephora like, maybe during the, like, Christmas 2019, and that, all that stuff is still sitting there on display, untouched, I think the most I've done is my eyebrows, because, you know, the mask kind of covers your nose, <laughs> so I'll just have the eyebrows done, and that's it, and, yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, um, I've been wearing sweats all the time, and no one can judge me, because everyone else is wearing sweats, so exactly,
1: I'm
0: totally digging it, um, given that you are a writer did the quarantine actually help you with your writing like did it give you like a creative spark or anything
1: um look I don't know about a creative spark but it like I don't think I would have finished it on time if I hadn't mm. have been locked down um so you know I was already like contracted for the book um mm-hmm. prior to COVID being a thing and you know I took a little bit of time off work like one day a week um like I only work part-time anyway so um right. you know I just took an extra day off per week and I was like yeah. yeah like I can get it done I think um but I didn't realize like how much work <laughs> it would actually be and I did end up finishing about two months ahead of schedule which was good and that nice. allowed me to have like some time to myself just to chill during lockdown and you know, catch right. up on streaming etc um so I think it's it was more of just having that like being able to write every day and just being able to like chisel out that time. Cause it's like a muscle, you know, the more you write, the more you are able to write. Exactly. Um, so yeah, again, that's, you know, something that I'm like grateful for um, mm-hmm. all things considered because yeah, I don't know if I, I could have written the book um, in as timely a manner if I hadn't been um, on lockdown.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. So it's it sort of this, just- it kind of gave you the excuses like okay wait life is on a standstill i i actually have time to sit down and finish this (laughs) which you don't really think about how much time you spend in a day doing so many other things until all those things are gone and now you're like oh shit i have a whole stretch of time available to do whatever i want
1: (laughs) yeah exactly
0: you are a wrestling fan um by the way thank you for an advanced peek of your book i enjoyed it and thank you for someone who doesn't really read much i actually read it (laughs) so and i might reread it again that's how much i enjoyed it Whoa, that's a high compliment right so that ass family all you guys who hate reading this is the book you got to read (laughs) Um, You said in your book that you were first exposed to wrestling during a sleepover at a friend's house. Um, What were the emotions that you felt while writing? Well, I should say while watching your first wrestling match. And how long after watching that did you actually consider yourself a wrestling fan?
1: Yeah, well, I think I write in the book that it was... um, it wasn't a match so much as it was um, Vince McMahon making out with Trish Stratus in front of a comatose <laughs> yeah. Linda McMahon. Um, you know, good 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 times um, for anyone who was watching uh, around that oh, time. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, so it's pretty surprising that I actually like. it. So that was maybe. to six months before I really got into it which was after Mm -hmm. Wrestlemania 17 um and again like I was exposed to it at a friend's house um again and um so yeah they, they they were kind of watching it and I was like oh yeah I'll watch that too and then I realized like I was waiting for her to give me the tapes Right, um, and, then, and then I realized because um, yeah, that's that's how long ago we're talking. Uh, and then I realized, hey, I have cable TV at home, like I can just like watch this right. like on my own. I don't have to wait for the tapes. And then that was pretty much, like my high school existence was pretty much me watching wrestling and then trying to like convince all my friends to like right to watch they're. it exactly. And yeah, then you yeah, exactly that one
0: weirdo who they're like ew wrestling and you're like no yeah <laughs> it's, it's seriously good trust me please just give it a try
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so I managed to like drag a few friends in here and there um and yeah like you know they, they no longer watch and it's just still me 20 years later being like yeah cool but that's a good thing about the internet is that like I've been able to find my tribe of people mm-hmm. that do watch wrestling and I don't have to force my friends um, anymore <laughs> so exactly
0: and yeah it's like now it's like hey I'm not the only weirdo who watches there's a bunch of weirdos on the internet who watch with me that's fantastic exactly <laughs> so what would you say is your Favorite wrestling memory or wrestling moment?
1: Okay, that's you've put me on the spot there. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, look, I'm sure there are there there are heaps, and I'm going to be cliche and probably say like, you know, my favorite match or moment or whatever would probably be Sasha and Bailey um, mm-hmm. Brooklyn one, um, just because. You know, I think that was kind of a turning point for um, women's wrestling, mm-hmm. and one of those kind of instant classics um, where you just you're watching it and you're like, oh my god, like right. I I right. know that this is going to be something that people are going to talk about like 20 years later, um, and I think that's rare. Um, so yeah, I would probably say that. Although you know, if if I really sat down and, and thought about it, I'm sure there are heaps of others. Yeah, Maybe, um WrestleMania 30. 30- was that New York 2019 um, um, I was lucky enough to go um, which is like you know oh, coming okay. from Australia is pretty like yeah that's expensive a, a, like yeah exactly it's expensive <laughs> it's a bucket list item like it's not really something that I ever thought like I could do mm-hmm. um, and to have it be like the first women's main event as well like yeah yeah that was you
0: know really personally meaningful to me mm-hmm. as well of course, I think every person's first WrestleMania, no matter how shitty the card is, is going to be, like, a top-notch memory, just because it's your first. Like, you're there, you're sitting with other fans, you're experiencing the buzz, and it's just something in the air of WrestleMania that it just makes you feel like, wow, like, this is this is real. Like, I'm actually sitting here, and I'm paying for mm-hmm. price hot dog, and, you know, and, Dang. Yeah, I can barely see the ring, but I'm
1: here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I can safely say, like, I don't think I'll do it again. Um, just because, like, it was a week. Of, it was a week of wrestling, and right, like, right. as a, as previously previously established, like, I'm an introverted, like, homebody. Like, that was <laughs> like pretty much the extent of my socializing for the whole year. Right. Um, yeah. And no, it was that, just that... like a lot um so like i got to meet like heaps of really cool people from the internet um which was great and all of the indie Mm -hmm. shows leading up to it like um women crush wednesday and um like shimmer and stardom and stuff were like really cool and i would definitely probably do that like the indie shows Mm -hmm. around wrestlemania again but as for the actual show or at least all of the like wwe stuff around it like raw right. and SmackDown down and stuff I don't think I would um do that just because it's sort of like okay this is a lot and by like halfway through you're sort of like yeah
0: right. and, <laughs> and your social battery kind of runs out like some you're just like all right I'm ready to go back to my hotel Too many people. exactly It's I'm tired my ears are ringing
1: (laughs) yeah exactly all of the like it's sort of like a you know an amalgamation of like all of the bad things about wrestling as well like (laughs) as 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 good and cool and fun as it is it's sort of like yeah yeah, Yeah, no
0: no so did you go to access did you meet any of the wrestlers
1: Yeah I went to Access with Lauren Moran who did that Mm -hmm. artwork um, for the cover of my book which is absolutely beautiful and I love her. Um, So um, yeah I went to Access on the Hall of Fame night. Um, Oh okay. Hall of Fame which like I never thought I would do because growing up like Hall of Fame was like so cool and so awesome and you got to like you know hear all the backstage stories and stuff like that but I was just like this like the the people that were being inducted like apart from like Tori Wilson mm-hmm. I was sort of like eh, like right right I could give like, I could take or leave um these people so yeah we decided to go to Axis that night instead um who did I meet I met Tony Storm um Seamus and Cesaro who like like everyone knows that Seamus is like, you know, one of my like big crushes. God, that, um, that, <laughs> that,
0: that's a pasty daddy right there. That's-
1: yeah, I know. It's like, it's a bit random, but um, he like often makes cameos in my dreams. If that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, not too much information, we'll just leave it there. But anyway, um, so yeah, I got to meet him, which was cool. And Cesaro... Jessie Kamea from mm-hmm. NXT, who RC? I think is in the Robert Stone brand now. Um, but we, we were just like, who's this? But yeah, okay, she's like, like, hey. we're in the line of like the three, <laughs> so we have to go and see her. Um, right. She's nice. Um, who else did we meet? Oh, Bianca Belair. Um, um, and uh, he who shall not be named Velveteen Dream.
0: Mm, I, I understand. <laughs>
1: yeah, we'll just put that over there.
0: Well, I mean, uh, I hope you enjoyed your time in New York City, especially during WrestleMania. Although I live here, I, I did not go there because one, it was way too expensive. Two, it is Jersey, and <laughs> I don't know if you understand the complexities between New York and New Jersey. It's like uh, I'm not <laughs> commuting all the way over there.
1: And then I also
0: heard that people got stranded after WrestleMania.
1: <laughs> yeah, and it was raining too. So. But I'm like,
0: mm-hmm yeah it took us like two hours to get home yeah no I, i i mean i'm glad you had the experience of a lifetime but i agree i went to my first WrestleMania in orlando and when i say i had a shitty time trying to get back to my hotel because we were staying by disney and so the stadium in orlando was still being built so half of the stadium is like occupied for WrestleMania, and the other half of the stadium is under construction. And there's no road, there's no sidewalk, so we had to walk on like pavement gravel to try to find the taxi. Yeah,
1: that's pretty much the same as um, MetLife. MetLife, like, yeah. I mean, it was it's sort of it's just like in the middle of nowhere. It's like, okay, mm-hmm. it's like paddocks and stuff, or like fields. I don't know. Is that what you guys call? them? Yeah. It was it,
0: there was there's nothing over there. And yeah, <laughs> it was also a fairly newer stadium, so it was just like a lot of stuff was still being put together, and I'm like, eh, I'll just stay here. And watch mm-hmm. the <laughs> now, um, the Australian wrestling scene, not something that's talked about enough, um, because we've had some like amazing talent that's emerged there, especially you know, spanning all the way from the 60s till now. Um, You know, in your own words, what do you think makes the Australian wrestling scene different than that of the United States? If you're familiar with it at all
1: yeah so like I think it's very insular over here like um yeah because we're I mean we're a you know large country like area wise but in terms Mm -hmm. of like population we're quite small um and so yeah the wrestling scene here is is very insular and I did work for a time in um a wrestling company called Outback Championship Wrestling I was a um like a host and like, you know, a backstage announcer, um, social media podcast, etc. cetera. Um, and I can safely say that I never want to um, be involved behind the scenes of wrestling <laughs> again, just because it's like so high school, it's like not even funny. Right. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's it's wrestling in general. Like there's so many politics um, and um you know, so I think that can be, uh, you know, a negative thing in terms of like who gets um, the exposure and that sort of thing. Another um, another difficult thing is that, you know, so many of our talent has been scooped up by WWE now. So, um, for example, like our women's wrestling scene is... Um, quite diminished because a lot of people have gone to NXT um, and Ring of Honor and stuff like that. So, Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, I'm planning for my book launch to have, um, you know, some women's wrestling there and we're just sort of like, who is there? Especially Mm -hmm. because um, even though, you know, COVID is um, not, really a thing here we did have a spike um around Christmas right, and right. that kind of affected like you know who could come from what states and that sort of mm-hmm. thing so um yeah especially in Melbourne where I am um uh, a lot of our our talent has mm-hmm. been um yeah scooped up so um right. yeah it's it, but it's a it's a really good opportunity for new talent um to be coming out like I went to my first wrestling show in over a year a couple of weeks ago I know and um, there was like I was only familiar with like a few people on the card Um, Mm -hmm. so it was a really good opportunity for like new talent um,
0: to emerge so um, yeah it's an exciting time well hopefully um, the United States gets their fucking act together so I can go back to a wrestling show because (laughs) Right. Is- Florida has been doing its own thing but Florida has always done its own thing but um I will wait till the it's actually safe you know once we get on the level of Australia then I will book another show yeah I think I think you'll be waiting a very
1: long time unfortunately oh, yeah, I, I'm so glad to come back and <laughs> see all of you guys again right I, I'm I'm aware and I'm ready I- <laughs>
0: Now, I want to play the little mini game, so to speak, just before we get into the meat and potatoes of the interview. Okay. Um, ranking the best WWE women's wrestlers from Australia. All right, we have Rhea Ripley, uh, Peyton Royce, Billy Kay, Emma, who is otherwise known as Tennille Dashwood, and Indy Hartwell. If you had to rearrange them, number one being best, number five, yeah, you know, to the last one, <laughs> how would you rearrange the list?
1: Okay well, I'm not gonna go in terms of wrestling skill because my first one is um, apparently people don't think she can wrestle, but um, I'm gonna put Billy Kay as number one because I fucking okay. love her <laughs> and she is hilarious and she is um, like gonna be a massive star whether in wrestling or like just Hollywood in general. Mm. Um, so I'm gonna put Billy as number one. I'm gonna put Indy. Number two, just because mm. I've seen her, um, you know, rest, like she's, she's one from Melbourne
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and I've sort of seen her develop over the last uh, few years before she went to WWE and I just right. think she's got, you know, star power in buckets. Um, and then I could probably just take or leave like the rest. Like I don't really have a preference for ranking them um maybe Peyton next because she's best friends with Billy
0: with Billy yeah (laughs) um
1: and like yeah I know it's probably an unpopular opinion but like I don't know I don't really like Rhea not like I think she's fine I just like you know the her monster push a couple of years ago just kind of rubbed Mm -hmm. me the wrong way I really don't like Mm. it when people are you know pushed that way and it makes other people look bad um, right, right, right. And I, th- I still am kind of a little bit bitter about um, the way, like, um, with the WrestleMania match last year, how, like, sort of Bianca was kind of, like, I think it should have been a triple threat match, Bianca right. Rhea and Charlotte. And, like, I don't know. It, it's, it's obviously not Rhea's fault or anyone's <laughs> fault, but I just am still, yeah. I still have some feelings about that. <laughs> right,
0: no, no, and I, trust me, we have discussed that in our podcast as well. I mean, you know, Bianca has always been the performer that they put in there to eat the pin, And I agree with you. I mean, I'm a, a fan of Raver Um, like her character and, and how she works. Um, also as part of my lesbian fantasies, but <laughs> besides- <laughs> I do agree sometimes they take these pushes who like it just doesn't make sense like sometimes they just force things to happen and it just the progression of a story doesn't happen naturally and it kind of takes away from you wanting to root for them because it's like we get it you know everything is predetermined but can you try to fucking make things a little more realistic Yeah, exactly. And then (laughs)
1: inevitably, when like because after WrestleMania, like Rhea just kind of disappeared a little bit, Mm -hmm. and it was sort of like, well, what was that for then? The same with Shayna Baszler, like when she debuted on the main roster last year and like completely decimated everyone in the Elimination Mm -hmm. Chamber, which I again I didn't really like like that because it made everyone else look weak, right. Um, I just yeah I don't like that and then now what's she doing like yeah you know well I mean I she's a champion
0: but like <laughs> yeah you know, it's like I okay you're a champion kind of, but what about it yeah no I completely agree um and I like the list I mean I Billy Kay you know it took me a while for her to grow on me but she is entertaining as hell I am bitter about them breaking up the Iconics. I have no idea why WWE hates tag teams so much. I know. She is entertaining as herself. She has the mic skills. She actually has improved in her wrestling compared to other wrestlers. I have a name. Alexa Bliss. But <laughs> I definitely see where you're coming from. Billy Kay definitely has... Um, she definitely has what you need to become a well-rounded performer or well-rounded superstar as i like to call everyone yeah
1: exactly and even if she's not wrestling like she as a personality like that's where Mm -hmm. she shines similar to alexa bliss if you will um yeah you know she don't they don't necessarily have to be wrestling to be a valuable part
0: of the show Mm i completely agree now Scarlett when did you first consider writing professionally when was it that you decided you know what I'm gonna take this pen take this paper and spew out some beautiful words
1: um yeah so like when I was a teenager so around the time that I started watching wrestling um I I studied writing at university um I've been writing um online for uh 11 years and I've been writing about
0: wrestling professionally Mm -hmm. for um five years yeah I saw a bunch of articles on your site which I ended up going on a rabbit hole on so (laughs) my I'm pretty sure your name is going to start popping up in my google ads eventually (laughs) (laughs) now um so there's several books I'm pretty sure that you're aware of that have been written about wrestling or about wrestlers Um, Yet a few that actually highlight women's wrestling. So what made you want to write a diva is a female version of a wrestler?
1: Well, I never thought I would write a book. Like, that just wasn't something I ever thought I could do. Um, Mm. And, um, you know, I I thank a couple of people in the acknowledgements for my book. Um, One of my, my best friend, April, um, told me about one of my nemeses um (laughs) to borrow a phrase from Roxane Gay um was thinking of writing a book and I was like oh well if she's writing a book then I can write a book (laughs) um and so that kind of planted the seed in my mind about two and a half years ago um Mm. as well as you know another friend who I think in the book um sort of saying, I I think you could write a book when I wrote an article about not wanting to write a book. Right. (laughs) Um, So so those two people kind of planted the seed in like way back in my mind. Um, And then, you know, I'm the type of person that like when I think of something, like I do it and I will not Mm -hmm. stop at anything until I've achieved that. So um, yeah, I started, I, I wrote up a proposal for the book I started sending it out, um, yeah, about two and a half years ago. Um, I thought it would be a lot quicker and simpler than it was, um, to sell it, but, um, (laughs) who knew that like women's wrestling was a really like small niche and like no one cares about it apart from us, apart from people uh, (laughs) listening to your podcast. Um, so, uh, yeah, then I sold the book at the end of 2019 and, um, yeah that the rest is history
0: and here we are in 2021 we're about to usher in a new era in literature with Mm. with which i'm excited for it to come out the again the as you said the cover art is dope as hell and you need to come out merch of the cover art (laughs) so I would definitely love to buy a little coffee mug with the, with the drawing on it.
1: <laughs> and- uh, you're not the first person to have said that. So maybe, like I was no. thinking of that, but it just like, it's just so <laughs> like, it's hard. It's expensive. Like, yes. And I, I was agree. hemorrhaging money. So I just was like, I need to like scale back on my like goals. For right, right. Book, and, you know, let's just let the book speak for itself. Uh, but who knows maybe um there'll be like an anniversary uh issue of like mm-hmm. some
0: merch <laughs> well that as family if you guys go buy the book maybe she might get the merch so there you go that's an incentive for you <laughs> to go out and by the way i gotta say i love the beyonce reference to the title as soon as i read the title i sang the the sasha fierce verse in my head i'm like oh a diva is a female virgin like <laughs> so Exactly. The title is, it, it just works, and, and I love it. Um, were Thank there you. any wrestling related books that you used as an inspiration for the project?
1: Um, so probably one that inspired me, but maybe in more of a negative way, was the Sisterhood of the Squared Circle, mm. um, which is a good um, overview, but like I found it very biased especially towards people like the fabulous Moolah, who I have a chapter about how bad she is, Um, (laughs) you know, and that was kind of, that was before, you know, people knew a lot about her bad dealings, I guess. Like it was before the Dark Side of the Ring episode came out. It was before WWE started distancing distancing themselves from her etc um but yeah I just I found it to be um sort of taking um sort of kayfabe um on its face and not delving Mm. into like behind the scenes sort of things, um, which then actually um, LaToya Ferguson's um, Encyclopedia of Women's Wrestling, she spoke about how hard it is to write something factual when mm-hmm. wrestling is such, um, you know, is so based on kayfabe and like talking shit and, and um, you know, building yourself up um you know, as opposed to the facts. Um, so, I guess with my book, like I was a, because it's a cultural criticism, it's a collection of essays. It's not like, hey, this happened and this happened and this happened and this mm-hmm. happened and it's all like factual and stuff. Like, I'm sort of coming at it from, yeah, like a cultural criticism lens. Um, writing about the product um as it relates to um you know pop culture feminism um things like that rather than a fact-based um article a fact-based book
0: right which you do have facts in there by the way guys so don't think she just pulled the shit out of her ass she actually has footnotes and and you know she actually has sources (laughs) But- yeah,
1: thanks, thanks for saying that too, because I was paranoid that like, you know, trolls on the internet won't name any names, but you know, there's a few that love to um, pick me apart. And I'm sure any woman who writes about or creates mm. content about wrestling on the internet um, has, you know, their favourite reply guys and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you know, I didn't want like, because because of the precariousness of women in wrestling and mm-hmm. like wrestling criticism and stuff, like I wanted to make sure that I had like, no, like this is I'm saying this because it's based on this fact and here's exactly. the footnote yeah. and you can go and read about it here. <laughs> um, so yeah, thanks, thanks for saying that because yes, I did try to, I did try to, you know, back up, um, what I was saying with facts. So.
0: Right. No, I, and you did it beautifully. I mean, um, I felt like I was reading a fucking PhD thesis. I'm like, yo, there's a lot of shit in here that I didn't even know myself. And I've been watching wrestling for a long time, so I really appreciated that. Um, it, It definitely helps bridge the gap between the information that you're giving plus the critical lens that you take towards wrestling. And, you know, it makes it easy for someone who is a fan to understand it, but also someone who isn't a fan to kind of view it from another perspective and you know just kind of get familiar especially with some of the terms that you mentioned um how do you think being a wrestling fan helped you as a writer
1: well um you know i don't ever want to write about something that i'm not passionate about like you know there's a whole field of writing where you know like copywriting or, or something like that where it's just like here is something now turn it into something else right. and like yeah, there's probably, like, good money in that. Yeah. <laughs> but I just, I think the key is, is passion um, and whether that's, like, a positive passion, like, hey, I really love this and, um, you know, I'm going to write about how much I love it or the opposite end, like, this is a really bad thing and mm. I'm going to write about how angry it makes me. And I think right. that there, <laughs> there are both of those things, uh, both yeah. of those aspects or tones in the book.
0: It was definitely, you know, like the positive and the negative. And I agree with both emotions with the positive and the negative. Yeah. Uh, do you have like any wrestling theme songs playing in the background where you were writing? Like did you have Billy Kay's theme going on and you're just like typing away or um like what does your writing process typically look like?
1: Um, well, I do need um, absolute silence to write, oh, okay. so <laughs> no, no um, actual theme songs being played as I wrote. Um, however, I do have a um, a you know wrestling themed playlist coming out soon um, to right. with the book. So <laughs> watch this space. Um, yeah, I, I mean. Probably, as you said, um, Beyonce's Diva was a big Mm -hmm. um, (laughs) kind of driver for the book. Um, uh, You know, it it didn't, the title um, went through several iterations before I actually landed on that. So I was just like, oh. If you look around, you'll see the world can be pretty smart. Okay, very
0: smart. At Capella University, we think education should be smart too. That's why we're reshaping online learning with our FlexPath format. You can set your own deadlines, take classes at your own pace, even leverage your previous experience to move faster. So when it comes to earning your bachelor's degree, you know what kind of choice to make. A smart one. Visit capella.edu to learn more. Capella University. Don't just learn, learn smarter. like, you know,
1: what about like something about women's revolution or like mm-hmm. the revolution or something like just like <laughs> random like basic titles that were not like eye-catching at all mm-hmm. and I can't remember when I thought of Adiba was a female version of a wrestler but like I was like oh my god you stupid bitch like why didn't you think of that like to begin with because it's absolutely perfect however it's you would be surprised absolutely
0: perfect
1: yeah you would be surprised though by how like how many people don't know that song oh, like because no. people would mess up the title and i'm like no you just <laughs> sing Viva by beyonce and then it, like as you said that's you
0: immediately get that exactly like, no as soon oh, as i okay. read it i got the song in my head i'm like oh, i love this because i mean come on guys listen that ass Family, and no you guys are not that dumb we used to wear <laughs> divas I mean, come
1: on, it's the greatest living entertainer
0: in the world, like, sorry. No, you know what it is, a lot of people like to hate Beyonce, and I will say, I am, like, partially on that boat, I, I don't, it's not that I don't hate her, I think I just hate the godlike status that her fans give her, that's what it is, like, trust me, I would love to be. Fucking Beyonce like she can she can sing she can dance she makes a ton of money she's beautiful but it's like you know the 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 fans make it a little weird just like with wrestling sometimes like I, I don't consume as much wrestling as people think I do because it's like listen I got a life and it's just wrestling guys like you know get over it there's a lot of bad things with it <laughs> yeah exactly Now, um, Scarlett, we're going to get into some heavy topics um, in here, especially with your book, because your book does um, delve into a lot of heavy topics that a lot of wrestling fans tend to ignore and tend to overlook because they think that it doesn't affect them directly or personally. And I actually appreciated the content warning that you kind of put um, in the beginning of the chapters, because as you know, a lot of people like, Um, If they're, you know, victims of something or if they survived something or just overall anxiety, you know, they like to kind of know where their emotions are going to be guided towards before they dive into new content. So um, I definitely hope that that inspires new writers to just kind of put a forewarning, you know, sometimes um, we don't need to be bombarded with things that evoke um, negative feelings, but, um, you know, one thing about your book, uh, one of the statistics that you actually put in was since the Raw Breakdown Project, um, which I didn't actually know about until I read it, and then I went to look it up, so it's quoted that since the project's inception, women's wrestling did not get more than 16% of airtime, and that the longest streak was between July 2016 to November 2016, which is not even a long period of time, but there was an average of 10% airtime of women's wrestling. Um, So with that, the shift in attitude for the women's revolution in WWE, um, especially occurring in 2015, yet a little more than two years after the fact, there wasn't really a significant change in the number of women's matches that were shown do you think that there truly ever was a revolution or just a moment
1: yeah that's a good question um i think there's like arguments for and against um but no i don't well well i mean you know what's the definition of an evolution like it doesn't just like it's not like well I mean I don't know what the exact definition (laughs) of of an evolution is um but you know it's like something that keeps going um it doesn't just like it doesn't just it's not just a moment and then it's over like and I think I write in the book like Michael Cole said on commentary for the women's main event at Wrestlemania like this is the like this is where the evolution ends it's like no no like that's (laughs) not how it works like we don't want we don't just want like one main event of one show featuring all white women, one of whom is a massive piece of shit um, that we know about. Um, yeah. I'm talking <laughs> about Rhonda Rousey for those oh, who I, aren't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> aren't familiar but there you will be when you read my book and read the chapter about how shitty she is
0: exactly. um or, you know Ever it's a, one of our older episodes where we also say how shitty she is
1: <laughs> yeah exactly so it's like it's com- like she it's all things that she said like mm-hmm. she's not lying about who she is but yeah anyway getting back on the topic um uh yeah no I don't I haven't really thought about it in that way but yeah, you're probably right in that it was a moment, and the moment may have been several years long, mm-hmm. or at least that's what WWE would have you believe, since they talked about it for that many years. Right. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's still as I sort of say in the, at the end of the book, like we've still got a long way to go. Like mm-hmm. there needs to be better racial representation. There needs to be um, more queer wrestlers, um, you know. How about disabled wrestlers? Like that's right. not really a thing that people really talk about. So that that could be, you know, the next frontier. Who knows?
0: Especially considering that WWE has had a long-standing relationship and supporting the Special Olympics. I mean, you would think that you know, they would take an opportunity like, hey, let's take a disabled wrestler and actually showcase them or, um, especially queer with, how am I going to get into it? Because my personal feelings are that they use a lot of these marginalized communities as just a, a dollar, you know, as a way to make a quick buck. They don't really care about these issues. They just do we it. Are. They can pander to the fans and say, hey, you want a game? Here you go. And are we done? Can we move on? <laughs> and Yeah, that, exactly. So you, know, you kind of feel like, oh, OK, that sucks. Like, Why would you do that? Like, we... <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, you know, as your book said, we have a long way to go. But I do think that we have some sort of a blueprint where the door is open for progress. How has media and technology become more accessible to wrestling fans? Um, We've seen an increased awareness of the differences between kayfabe and reality, which you actually did a really good job in kind of distinguishing the two and sort of breaking down the the aspects of what kayfabe is. Um, Historically, the WWE has been known to shy away from the true ugliness of wrestling, which has only really recently come to light because of the increase in accessibility. Um, I mean, obviously, from a business perspective, the WWE obviously would not want such atrocities to come to light. But as a fan, Scarlett, do you think blurring the lines between K-Fape and reality really matters? Um, Also, as a writer, how dangerous is hiding the truth about our favorite wrestlers? Whew,
1: that's um that's a big question um, oh you yeah, we, we get into the meat and the yeah um look I think um yeah as you said like given the increased access um via social media etc like I don't really think there's such a thing as kayfabe anymore or at least um a point in like trying to preserve it mm-hmm. um and I like, I sort of think that's a good thing. Like, my favourite kind of thing is to see, like, wrestlers breaking kayfabe, like, with the, right. um, the four horsewomen curtain call and stuff like that. Like, I just, like, want to see, like, people being friends and, like, mm-hmm. like having cool matches, like, because they like and know each <laughs> other. Um, so, you know, that's probably not a popular opinion. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, you know, I just would like to see, like, people being friends and having fun. Yeah. Um, But the more, um, the darker side of your question, which could you just repeat the second part of it again? Sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, of course. It's really about hiding the truth, um, you know, about our favorite wrestlers. Um, So there was a portion in your book where you had mentioned Contingent Magazine and like how revisionist history is defined and how WWE has revised their own history. It's not until like recently that we kind of know the truth. Hmm. So um, you know, as a writer, especially since, you know, you, you tend to want to write not only the truth, but criticize, you know, whatever is being put out there. Like how dangerous do you think this revisionist history is um as it pertains to wrestling?
1: Yeah, um so yeah, I think as I sort of say in the book, like I'm not really a fan of it. Um, and I think, um, you know, with the the tra- like people need to be transparent these days, like with the Me Too movement and stuff like that. Like these things are going to come out. Um, and it, I, you know, if if we're looking at it from like a, you know, a capitalistic, like a best for business um, viewpoint, then like it would be smart of WWE to get ahead of things like that. Mm-hmm. But we obviously know that they're not interested in that because of the large number of alleged abusers that are still on their um roster um i think they are probably interested in scapegoating people whether that's a woman like um the fabulous moolah um it's easy like you know it might be easier to throw a woman under the bus also someone who is dead and cannot um speak for themselves Mm. is easier to uh distance yourself from uh without them being there to refute the allegations although they are pretty damning and i'm not really interested in hearing um you know a, 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 (laughs) um, a defense of them um but yeah, it's a hard it's a hard question. There's no easy answers, um, and I think you know we're probably only just beginning to like touch the tip of the iceberg when it comes to reckoning with these things in in wrestling, which is you know such a um, a long but also sort of separate from the rest of society, um, and in that way, it kind of a like allows itself to get by without addressing a lot of the things that we've seen in other industries right. um, because people don't take it seriously uh, because of its like carny roots and things like that. Um, it's a, I think it's allowed wrestling to, uh, yeah, kind of slip under the radar a little bit um, as opposed to culture as a whole.
0: Right, yeah, because, you know, traditionally, wrestling is seen as like a subculture thing so now when you have a subculture thing kind of like operate outside of normal means so to speak like people just like ew wrestling what the fuck and you know when you say hey i've been you know abused or i've been assaulted they're like yeah but wrestling and you know people don't exactly. realize that the two correlate. i mean rest you know the, the main word in subculture is culture. Wrestling was inspired by other things, so <laughs> you know, and um, you actually kind of gave me a perfect segue into my next question, um, because um, in your book, you definitely you dedicated um, a lot of the book um, in speaking about these bad behaviors that a lot of uh, wrestlers actually perpetrated a lot of these abusers, you know, um, in the wake of the hashtag Me Too and the hashtag Speaking Out movements, you know, wrestling has recently just been spotlighted as one of the many industries um, in which women have been disrespected, neglected, abused, shamed, and even forgotten. Um, your book actually mentions a lot of the names. They actually mention Razor Ramon, Jimmy Snuka, Stone Cold, and Hulk Hogan, as the bad boys that have perpetrated these crimes against women in their lifetimes, only for them to later be forgiven. Um, Recent times has also seen newer names of these bad boys in wrestling. And you've mentioned one, Velveteen Dream. You know, we have Trent Seven, Matt Riddle, Jack Gallagher, and others. Um, Besides the obvious patriarchal influence, why do you think male wrestlers are often more forgiven for their illicit behaviors than their female counterparts.
1: Yeah, so um, there's, yeah, as you mentioned, a chapter in the book that really delves into this. And I think, again, it's, a, it's not a, like we, we don't just look at wrestling in a vacuum, like it's about culture as a whole. And, and we um, are much more willing to forgive like men that do cool things or things that we like um than we are like women and you know we see that with um like the most recent example is that um Britney Spears documentary that came out over the weekend and like people are like even though sort of I think the conversation around Britney has been happening especially online in the last few years with like the free Britney movement and stuff like Mm -hmm. that like we're finally just realizing like oh hey like what we did to her was really fucking disgusting Mm -hmm. um you know, and it's only like twenty years later when like luckily Brittany's still around um although you right. know she, she's um controlled by um you know her conservatorship and stuff, but like the women in wrestling that I talk about in the train wrecks chapter, most of them are dead, mm-hmm. and that's the thing with wrestling is that because there's such a young um death rate, we just you know by the time we've realized that we treated these people like shit like and when i say people i mean women for the purposes of this conversation Mm -hmm. and the chapter in the book um you know it's too late because they're already gone like china and um you know miss elizabeth and well sunny's still around but you know she's got her own problems so maybe won't (laughs) you know include (laughs) her in this although i do discuss her in length in the in the book um Uh, But, yeah, I think it's just a symptom of the larger culture, like as much as what we were talking about before is like wrestling wants to see itself as separate Mm -hmm. and therefore being able to, um, you know, uh, get away without consequences. Like in this regard, I think, you know, they're, they're too much like the rest of culture that just easily wants to like forget problematic women. Exactly, just then. like hey
0: that's a thing of the past let's move on and it's like we can't yeah, <laughs> exactly. you think we want to but we can't I mean if we don't address the shit y'all did back then how are we gonna do better yeah <laughs> um, exactly which your book does very well in doing it's like listen shit happened. you need to own up to it so that we can move on and I think that's it's such a refreshing take because I mean, obviously you see people staying on social media, but it's like now this is in print, you know, and you have all of these historical figures that you reference, you know, as your proof. It's like, hey, look, look what happened to them, you know. Um, you did mention as well. Um, you know, a particular female wrestler who left WWE because of the sexualization of the women's division. And, you know, just to kind of throw in another uh, question about that is the, you know, the history of women's wrestling. Unfortunately, we both know that it's been marred with explicit depictions of sex acts and crude humor and demeaning storylines, kind of around the same time that we both probably started watching wrestling um and this is of course very notable during the ruthless aggression era which coincided with the rise of trashy reality TV during the early 2000s which sidebar I still like trashy reality TV even though I trash it but it is I don't know it's so bad that it's good <laughs> sometimes you just need to not think exactly yeah and that's and that's what happens when i put on monday night raw it's like you know what i just <laughs> I just need to wander for three hours afterward. (laughs) Um, But your book does offer a glimpse into the overtly sexual backdrop of women's wrestling in the WWE. Um, As a woman, do you find the current WWE product as being progressive and accepting enough of women?
1: I mean, like, we've come a long, long way. With
0: Metro by T-Mobile, your hard-earned money goes further.
1: Like, mm-hmm. it's the like 90% of what's on WWE now, in terms of like women's wrestling, is like you can watch it and not have bad feelings mm-hmm. about like yeah the sexualization and stuff like that like I think even um off topic a little bit there's a chapter in the book about like um wrestling gear and how that can be used to tell a story and I think even like the even just in terms of that like the gear that we see on women now is like very um you know it's functional it's not it's made for athletes it's not Mm -hmm. like streetwear or like a bikini whatever like it's meant to hold their body parts in place while they do Mm -hmm. physical things in the ring um but you know there's always uh one little part that (laughs) you know is isn't um it is sort of a throwback to that era I guess what's happening now with like Lacey Evans and Ric Flair is a good example of that yeah um and sort of goes back to what we were saying before about like like maintaining kayfabe like Mm -hmm. we all know that he's like married to someone else (laughs) he's married to someone else like you know it's like what is what is the point of this story like Mm -hmm. we don't need Ric Flair to create a story between two like women wrestlers but alas I digress um or you know like a couple of years ago we had um Alexa Bliss being walked in on while she was getting changed
0: Mm -hmm. But
1: like that that I don't know okay what, yeah, yeah. I, I thought or like from this yeah exactly or the um you know the storyline with Mandy Rose trying to seduce um uh
0: yes yeah, Jimmy Uso.
1: I couldn't remember <laughs> I was getting confused with his total divas um, right name rather than his wrestling name um you know and it's just kind of those sort of things that Uh, those questionable throwbacks to that era. And I think the response from fans, um, at least in my social media circles, um, you know, pretty indicative of the fact that like, we don't want that anymore.
0: Exactly, exactly. And so what do you think the wrestling industry can do to encourage um, and support their current female talent? Or what can they do to take care of soon-to-be female talent? That are considering a career in wrestling.
1: Equal pay, getting rid of abusers. Yeah. <laughs> um, equal representation in what we talked about before. So um, you know, not just white women um, in the main storylines or the main events or whatever. Um, and I guess we have we might have our first, um, you know, all black women's main event of yeah well, all, all black. Just in general, main event of WrestleMania. Hopefully, they don't fuck it up because this has literally been like you know put forth on a silver platter to appeal to people who want to see something like that. I have a slight. (laughs) We'll we'll get to that portion. (laughs) (laughs) I may have my hope may be futile, but it's it's there um, despite what you know my overall negative um opinion of wrestling is (laughs) right (laughs) Um, yeah just like making it a safe environment for women people of color queer people etc um yeah which on the surface it may be but as we've established like when you've when you're yeah pushing abusers or still have them on the roster um then I don't really know how safe anyone could expect to be um right
0: yeah and and not just wwe but um especially in indie wrestling i think that indie wrestling tries to separate itself from like brand name wrestling and that's like another subculture of a subculture so it's like well they're the ones who are you know, publicly traded company, like we're just a small brand. And it's a, yeah, and you guys are the worst. (laughs) Like you guys are doing the same thing that the big brand is doing, if not worse, because, you know, now you're, you know, victim blaming and gaslighting and, you know, all these things that the company is going to apologize for because the bottom dollar is at risk. The smaller company, they're just going to say, whatever so that people can get off their minds. um what i also appreciated about the book you didn't like you did talk about mcmahon but you didn't give him the spotlight that a lot of wrestling books give him um which i appreciated i feel like a lot of wrestling books and authors and content creators they this about to be vulgar but y'all be sucking his dick way too much And I'm glad that this book didn't do that. I'm glad that you didn't fucking make him into this big thing, you know? And you did mention Triple H as well. Um, You know, Triple H has been dubbed by some fans as like the father of NXT, especially because him managing the brand and focusing on lesser known talent, um, especially when he's pushing female talent and emotionally driven storylines. But his image has only been recently polished which you did mention um you know his thoughts on inducting china into the hall of fame it's like he kind of used the success of the nxt brand to eclipse his previous behaviors meanwhile vince has always been known as a long-standing villain of the wwe rightly so of course but You know, with these two men being the most high-ranking senior executives of of WWE, why do you think it took them so long to open the doors for women in wrestling?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I tried to um, talk about Vince through the lens of Stephanie. Um, Mm -hmm. So, And when I sold the book, I didn't even have the chapter on Stephanie in there. But then I thought... Hmm. she probably needs to be talked about and that was probably one of the more challenging chapters too because I like wasn't really sure what I wanted to say and I'm still not sure actually that I said everything (laughs) that I wanted to say I'm still grappling with her legacy um uh but yeah I used her to kind of talk about those two men um I think that yeah as you pointed out like there's good and bad to triple H like I think that his legacy will be the NXT and all of the like stars that he's made out of that specifically women uh but also as we talked about before like a lot of those bad men that have had redemption stories are his best friends Mm -hmm. um so that is another important thing that we need to take into account when discussing him. Um, in terms of why um, they uh, decided to kind of do the women's evolution, um, like to begin with, it's capitalism, baby. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think of, like that's what that's what people were clamoring for. Um, you know, and we are we do make up. Like women and queer people and people of colour, like that's probably at least half of the current marketplace, if not more. Exactly. And it's only growing <laughs> as those populations grow in wider culture. Um, so, yeah, like I think, like they just were like, well, we're leaving money on the table if mm-hmm. we don't kind of incorporate this. And I think that you can sort of see that in sort of, you know, the hollow kind of representation and, forward momentum or lack thereof of like women's wrestling and stuff in general um because they think of it as a money making scheme rather than like you know a way a way to like move forward with their company like with progressive values and stuff like that and we know that mm-hmm. WWE has no progressive values because <laughs> of their relationship with Trump and blah 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 um mm. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, I think it was just a matter of like, you know, sink or swim, like we have to change. And so Mm. therefore we must. Right. And,
0: and I completely agree with that. And unfortunately it's not until certain people are gone from the company that we will actually see some true progression. Um, I want to say that you hit on something in the book that a lot of female wrestling fans do not admit to, and a lot of female fans tend to overlook and not address, and it's internalized misogyny, um, especially with the whole divas versus superstar thing. And I think you did a great job with with using because I I'm not a lie. I completely forgot about the phrase. Not like most girls, It wasn't. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. This was a thing that they did. I can't believe that I forgot about this. It <laughs> is. Like, that's Jackson's theme song, right? right? and I'm like, yeah, because you put the, the the lyrics and you're breaking it down. I'm like, I had to go on YouTube. I paused the reading, went on YouTube, listened <laughs> to the song. I'm like, oh, my God. You are fucking right. <laughs> and, and the fact that it goes beyond today it's like it comes from back in the fucking day from when fabulous Moola, who wasn't so fabulous by the way, mm-hmm. um, you know, did all her shit, which again, Scarlet goes into in the book, but not like most girls. I mean, that's been a phrase that's been uttered by women who look down on traditionally fee, you know, feminine characteristics like makeup, shopping, tanning, doing your hair and feel like that. And um two who are in recent history have been known for that moniker are AJ Lee and Lita I mean they adapt that not like most girls mindset as part of their character and I will say I have to admit that in my early adolescence I too fell prey to that kind of mentality um, because of my own Unregistered internalized misogyny. I mean, I grew up as an overweight Hispanic teenager in New York City, you know, so I didn't fit the traditional mold of beauty. And I think a lot of girls and women who feel like they don't fit that um, conventionally accepted form of beauty, they, te- they tend to lean on that phrase. It's like, you know, to stand out against the norm and they seem like the cool girl, which Thank you for mentioning Gone Girl, which is one of my favorite books and movies. Um, But misogyny doesn't pick favorites. You know, it kind of deals its own cosmic karma in a way. Um, So Scarlett, as a woman and also as a wrestling fan, like, why do you think there's been such a divide between female wrestlers and who decides to be, you know, adapt this female persona versus Uh, someone who has more of like the masculine accepted persona yeah well
1: again I think it's just part of like living in um, you know a white supremacist patriarchy like you to to get ahead a lot of women feel like they have to align with men um, or you know masculine traits to be accepted and unfortunately uh, you know I think that's still a thing although you know we're having more conversations about it and it is changing um uh, but yeah like and especially with uh wrestling which is you know a traditionally male dominated industry both in terms of who's inside it and who consumes it um so yeah that's I sort of go go into that in the book more about, yeah, the women that have perpetuated that and or, you know, sort of fell victim to it, maybe not intentionally. So um, although, you know, I do quote from like Lita's um, autobiography in, in um, you know, quote, unquote autobiography, um, you know, she, she says that, you know, she doesn't identify with the diva Monica, um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she, she would like, and we can see in her, like her character, like
0: she's right.
1: more like the guys. Um, uh, but, but I, you know, I'm not sure that she fully internalized that in a, in the way that a character like AJ Lee has mm-hmm. in, Like her pipe bombshell promo um in her book which i find troublingly um uh yeah a lot a lot of um (laughs) internalized misogyny in that book um uh so yeah like i think it's just a larger symptom of being a woman in the world exactly <laughs> unfortunately <laughs>
0: and that uh, um, every answer is pretty much boiled down to that <laughs> yep that that's literally what it is and i mean we have seen a shift you know like with the the differences of, of the women that we have all different shapes and sizes i mean we have a long way to go and you know for the deadass family that is listening to this if you wear makeup you have tattoos you do whatever you like to do it's all on you it does not matter you don't have to fit into this shape, all right or this size or this you know idea of beauty like beauty is an eye of the beholder beauty is is on a spectrum okay <laughs> and you have
1: to love yourself gender. as well like just do what is good for you and
0: like fuck everyone else yeah, there, there you go. That <laughs> there you go. Now, um, I mean, so many other heavy topics, which I don't want to spoil on this interview. I want everyone to go out there and read it. So, Scarlett, I just want to give you the floor. Um, tell us when is this book gonna drop? Where can we get it? What else are you doing? Please take it away and plug yourself non-sexually. <laughs>
1: Uh, Thanks. Um, So my book, A Diva Was a Female Version of a Wrestler, comes out on the 2nd of March. You can buy it where all good books are sold and ideally not the bad (laughs) site. Uh, And I'm currently working, I'm editing a book um, for the same publishing company that's publishing this book um, about the women of Genji Cohen, who is the um, executive producer of shows like Weeds, Glow and um, Orange is the New Black um nice. and people can find me um at my website scarletwoman.com.au that's scarlet with two t's and you can also follow me on twitter scarlet e harris that's
0: scarlet with two t's harris with two r's and if you're too lazy to do any of that i will have a link to where you can buy the book on our link tree all right so be on the lookout for that they will become available soon um i'll also have a link to her twitter page or if you want to be a creep go through our friends because we're following each other on twitter so you can do that as well um as family you guys know that we are sponsored by audible anchor um jimmy jane my sensual secrets and adam and eve right we're we're promoting sexual wellness and, and taking care of yourself while you're locked up in quarantine. <laughs> How- <laughs> is of course. Um Scarlett, thank you again for spending your mo- morning/my evening together to talk about your book. Thank you for letting me reading it. Um definitely going to be sharing this as soon as it comes out of course with others and I hope that the Deadass family goes out and picks this book up too. I mean, it's such a great read. If you're interested in female wrestling and you're interested in learning about the good and bad side of it. All right. So do not delay. Buy that book when it comes out. And for two lucky listeners, we are going to be doing a giveaway for the book. That's right. We're going to be giving out two copies of the book. Uh, We'll have the giveaway instructions put out during the last week of the month. All right. So perfect way to usher in Women's International Month is by Supporting women. Support Scarlett Harris. You know what? Even if you don't read the book, just buy it. Okay, that's it. Just, just buy it. <laughs> buy it for yourself. Buy for your mom. Buy for your stepmom, your sister, whoever in your family loves women's wrestling. Scarlett Harris, thank you again for joining us. Guys, you already know who it was. It was I, Giselle, a.k. Jizzy, a.k.a. g 6 Peace, love, chicken grease, good Okay, so you didn't hear it from me, but
1: you can find some amazing deals on activewear at Kohl's right now. I'm talking major brands. Like, it almost seems too good to be true, but it's not. I got some super cute sneakers from Adidas, and the Nike tee I got for my daughter was 25% off. And not to brag, but I also earned triple rewards with my Kohl's card. So you know I'm going back for the Fitbit Versa 3. Or will I get the
0: Under Armour leggings? Select styles. Kohl's Rewards members earn double or triple rewards February 24th through 28th. Some exclusions apply. See store or kohls.com for details.